So I think for her too, is like she felt so stuck with only the people she knew and only the people she knew would go to her website to buy versus that kind of like, how do we get in front of more people? And those are some of the ideas. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we're dedicated to helping product-based business owners turn into revenue-generating, successful, happy product bosses. I'm Jacqueline Snyder. And I'm Mina Kunlo-Sitep. Together through digital courses, coaching, and masterminds, we've helped over 50,000 students from startup to multi-million dollar businesses scale their sales while blending in their dream life. It gets lonely out there in the product business world. We fully believe a business shouldn't be built alone. There's room at the top for all of us. So let's get scrappy and creative together, product boss, to be profitable, make more sales, and grow your visibility. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey, Product Boss. Now, how amazing would it be if you had an all-in-one CRM that could help you keep everything organized in one place so that you can execute, automate, and stay focused on your customers? That's exactly what the new HubSpot Sales Hub does. Your data, tools, and team, if you have one, are all visible inside a CRM that keeps your data organized and encourages endless integration. HubSpot Sales Hub provides one single place where you can send emails, answer questions, personalize a customer's experience to increase loyalty, and accomplish everything on your to-do list all in less time. Plus, AI-powered tools like predictive forecasting will help you streamline a ton of manual tasks. This is so needed, especially in your busy time of year, product boss. And here. The best part is it's so easy to use. It gives you a simple and powerful view into every aspect of your business so you can continue to focus on what matters most, your products and your customers. With Sales Hub, closing deals is no big deal. Try the world's smoothest CRM at hubspot.com sales. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. So today is, we're going to dig into a question that we get a lot from a lot of our students and those of you in our community, and you might have had the same thought. And the question is, is when do you know it's time to add another sales channel? Yeah, I think a lot of times it's phrased like, I'm feeling really stuck, right? And the solution a lot of times is we work them through what could be a viable sales channel for them because it's like they they know they feel stuck. They don't know what the question is and they don't know what the answer is. So I think that this is a great topic for today because we get this all the time, that feeling of stuckness from our um, our students and our listeners on the podcast. Yeah. So I think a lot of times most of us are on one sales channel, one platform, right? Whether you mainly sell on Instagram, Instagram. I don't even know why I said Instagram first because I really was going to say in person. <laughs> Lucky duck if they are because I don't know <laughs> if a lot of people are finding it there. I was going to say in person. You sell on in person or Instagram. Um, you might be selling you know, on fair or wholesale. You might be selling on Etsy. Um, you might be selling direct to consumers and customers on your website. So a lot of times we have like the one place that we know is the place that you know turns the faucet on. That's the flow of revenue. But then I think we get stuck a lot of times because it works and it works to a point, but then it's, it's like, if you want to grow and you want more revenue, 
and this is something that we teach where it's like that snowball effect. So let's say you're making a hundred dollars on a sales channel or you're making on your main one, or you're making a thousand dollars on that main sales channel. If you can figure out what your best seller is and then you get that and you put it on another sales channel, then there's no reason why you can't add an additional thousand dollars, right? You can't match the first sales channel to the second sales channel. So I think conceptually, all of that makes sense. And, you know, this is kind of what we dig into when we talk, when we're in our challenges or our students in multi-stream machine. But the bigger question is like, well, when do I add it on? Because I know I want it for more revenue. I know I want it for more sales, but how do I know when to add it on and what the right channel would be? Yeah, I think for sure. That's that feeling of, I think a lot of times they're they know that they want to make more sales, right? You come in, you have products, you want to make more sales. And it's like, like Jacqueline said, you're making it on one platform and then you're like, ooh, I know that I need to make even more sales or even more, you know, I, I want to make it worth my time to do this business. And then um, you feel stuck because you're like, oh my gosh, how do I do that? And how do I, you know, a lot of times we're like, um, you need to diversify. So the here out there in the wild, you need to diversify. You need multiple streams of revenue. They get stuck again because they think that that has to do with more products, right? So they're like, I'll just keep making more products. And that's the solution. They, they told me out there in the wild west that I need to, you know, diversify. So I think that means making more product. And what our students realize from us and what makes them successful is the fact that we teach them how to do multiple streams of revenue and, and diversify by focusing on their bestsellers or top, you know, products. And that is what leads to them being able to get onto multiple sales channels because otherwise you don't have the capacity and you don't have the resources or the money or the time to get onto multiple channels the way the big guys do it, right? Usually the big guys do it. They, they create like a ton of products. They throw it up there and they have a customer base already. But for our small businesses, the way that you do it is that you focus on your best sellers and then you think, oh, what what sales channel am I going to ha uh, do? But I think that that's where they get stuck too. It's like, okay, the thought of this different approach of not more product, but focusing your products onto multiple sales channels. And then the secondary part of that is, but what sales channel? Because it, it's, I think it's highly um, subjective, right? It's like, there's all these sales channels out there, but what works for you? What really is realistic for you, your bandwidth, the type of product you have, you know, this stage of life you're in, whatever it is, um, that could be the answer to that. And I think so, that that's kind of what we're seeing pop up a lot. Yeah. So let's dig into three different students of ours. They're three multi-stream machine students, but they brought up this question in, in three different ways without asking it, right? So mm -hmm. I think that what happens, and, and you all, as you're listening, our listener, um, that you might hear this and say, you know, I've had the same question, or I've thought about this, and this feels like a problem in one way, but actually the solution is something different. Because a lot of times you and I, we get questions and the questions mm -hmm. are about something else, but it's not really what the the core issue is. So this morning, you and I got a question from a MSM student that was about inventory. So she makes bras and she is manufacturing inventory overseas. 
and she has to buy a lot, right? So she's she's she was a maker, and then she started employing people locally to make her bras, but then she also decided to go overseas and um, make some as well. But when you go overseas, you have minimums. She ended up ordering, I think, a 1,000 pieces of each. So her question at first was, how do I manage inventory when I have to buy all these pieces overseas? But really the question came back to was, are you moving? Like, do you have the customer base and are you moving the quantity of product that you have to sell or want to sell? So it really flipped. The question went from like, let's talk about inventory and manufacturing and minimum orders to, all right, you have a thousand pieces to sell of something, or you have 250 pieces to sell something, or maybe you only have 10 pieces to sell. What she does right now in her main sales channel is direct to consumer. So she has a website. People might find her on social media or any of her like marketing outreach campaigns. And then they go to her website and they place an order. Now you and I, probably for a first time customer, might customer might just buy one to try it out. And let's say we love the bra and we love the fit. We might go back and buy a bunch of them. But that's one customer buying one to maybe three bras. And so to go through a thousand units or to hit 250 units or whatever number she needs to hit, that's a lot of customers and that turnover, because if it's a fashion brand, she's looking for, they want to know what's new, what's next. And she's like, I still have all these units in this old print that I need to sell. So I think, so the suggestion we gave her about when it's time to add on their sales channel was she didn't know she was asking this question, but we brought this up with her and we're like, it's time to add another sales channel because in order for you to grow your business and have the stuff manufactured and have turnover and have new product for your current customers, as well as acquire new customers, then you might need another sales channel to sell more. So if you can sell more and not worry so much about direct to consumer, then it might be a really good, it might actually help you move through inventory. So the suggestion we made to her was to add on wholesale because wholesale buyers will buy six of a style or eight of a style or four, depending on what whatever you're selling, they'll buy more of them. And then they have to buy more than one print. So if she has five different prints of bras, they might buy three of those prints and six at a time. And now she's moved 18 pieces with one order versus needing 18 individual people to come buy one bra each. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And if you're like me, you only buy underwear and bras once a decade. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just totally kidding. (laughs) But kind of. (laughs) (laughs) When you become a mom, you know, this is what happens. Time like, is there a hole in it? I can keep going. <laughs> I've had this since college. I didn't even realize. Um, but, you know, I think it's one of those things where, so she was already, like you said, selling direct to customer and she was doing deals like buy one, get one. She has lots of inventory. She moved from small batch to manufacturing, which meant that because she hit the minimums, her margin was able to be expanded and she actually would get a bigger margin, which made it really feasible for her to be thinking outside of the D2C box, right? Instead of only thinking, oh, I need to sell a whole bunch of my customers. Like you said, you know, it's like a lot when you do the numbers, you have to sell multiples to perhaps the same customer, or you have to get new customers. It's like lead acquisition at that point. Or because she has the margins now, it's not small batch. And she took that, you know, big leap to, um, um, manufacture overseas. Now she gets a little playroom, you know, with 
like how she prices and how she has a lot of inventory and what pattern she goes goes into. And then so then when we suggested wholesale, it is a lot easier. That's what I love about wholesale is that you if you have a lot of quantity and it is feasible with the margins that you're able to do it, that you're able to ship less often but bigger amounts you know, which makes up for the price difference. But if your margins are there, your margins are there. It's well worth it, you know? And so I think that for her, it allowed her to think, like I said, outside of the DTC box and perhaps some other way that now that she's, you know, she was thinking one way before because she never had those margins before. Now she can really think about, oh, okay, I can add on a sales channel because now I have playroom in my margins. And that's just really exciting for her. So, um, you know, that's kind of where the question went earlier today. Hey friend, I'm just going to interrupt this episode really quickly as it's podcast recommendation time. This month, we're all about creator science hosted by Jay Klaus, which is brought to you by the HubSpot podcast network, the audio destination for business professionals. Creator Science goes behind the scenes with today's top creators by learning how these creators make a living with their art and creativity. Creator Science helps you gain the tools and confidence to do the same. In one of his latest episodes, Jay interviews Tori Dunlap, the founder of Her First 100K, to help women fight financial inequity by giving women actionable resources to be better with their money. They discussed Tori's journey and how she went about being able to write her first book. It was such an inspiring episode. I'd love for you to take a listen. So listen to Creator Science wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the show. Hey, hey, product boss. We all know that building a product-based business isn't easy, is it? But here's the truth. It doesn't have to be so hard. In fact, when you have the right systems and support in place, you can skyrocket your sales and finally create the product business that fits your life and lifestyle. That's why we're so excited to announce that Multistream Machine is officially open for enrollment for a limited time. We've taken our 20 years of experience in building product-based businesses, including our own, which have generated millions and created a completely turnkey system to help you scale your business and create the revenue you've dreamed of. If you're a product-based business owner who's ready to build a sustainable and thriving business that can support itself and pay you the salary you dream of, or get more customers to easily find you and buy from you without spinning your wheels while stuck on social media and spending money on paid ads. Have a clear roadmap that shows you exactly how to create a plan and sell more so you can stop guessing and start knowing. Then you're going to want to head to multistreammachine.com and check it out. You can go through the course at your own pace. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. And our thousands of alumni can tell you there's no other course for product-based businesses like it. So friends, we'll see you in there. The other thing that, which, which, you know, might be controversial in the world of wholesale now, but so many of you are defaulting to FAIR and we teach about FAIR in, in multi-stream machines. So it's not that, you know, FAIR.com is great. It connected, it connected you all to retailers and stores. 
But when you sell to them, typically you're selling like the inventory you have in stock and they can buy immediates and then you can ship to them. The thing that we teach inside of our program, which is the world that I come from and what I would offer this MSM student as advice, is that when she knows she's manufacturing and she has retailers, she can actually pre-sell to them before she even has to place her manufacturing order, which means all she has to do is have the design and a line sheet, contact the stores, get them to place their orders, and then she knows, she'll know the hits and she'll know the misses. She'll know the ones that like, this pattern, every single store has bought from me. I'm going to make more of that pattern because I know that then when I get it in front of my customers, they're going to buy it. And then she'll also know, oh, this pattern nobody bought. When I say pattern, it's like the print design on top of the fabric. Nobody bought. Maybe I shouldn't go into production with it. And then she has orders before she ever gets into manufacturing. So maybe she orders a thousand of one print and 250 of another. And that's typical for wholesale where you can you pre-sell, right? You take orders and then you go into production and then you ship. So there's two ways of doing it. We teach both in our program, but what I love about this is it feels less risky. It's, it's, it's more risk adverse. It's more of, of making what you want. So either way, I think that this is like a really good solution. So if you're out there and you're manufacturing, or you have a lot of quantity of product and you're thinking, how do I move the product? Think in bulk. How do I move in bulk? And one of the easiest ways and best ways and ways to get in front of more people would be wholesale. So, especially with her patterns, because I feel like they're really boutique aesthetic, you know, like they would be cool in inside of a a storefront. Okay. So, I want to go to another student of ours that sells uh, like stationery and cards. So, birthday cards, sympathy cards, thank you cards, that kind of thing. So everything is handmade. Everything is very small batch because it's her own two hands that are making it. She's afraid of growing because she is like, how would I keep up if I did grow? So a lot of the things that she's decided not to do, like not to sell on, is because she's so afraid of growing. So what's interesting here, she wants to grow. She wants to make at least $2,000 a month, if not $5,000 a month. Right now, I think she's maybe made $300 all of last year. But she's actually getting in her own way because she's so afraid of growing that she's actually not allowing space to open up for ideas of what could be. So she came with a problem of, I'm not making the revenue, right? I'm not making the revenue I want to make. I want to make revenue, but I'm not doing it. I'm like, great. How are you selling? So she's selling her cards and she's selling them online again, direct to consumer. And she has an Instagram account. And it just doesn't feel like it's working for her, right? She's getting a few orders here and there, but it's not really working. So when digging into her thing on when do you know if it's time to add another sales platform, again, the intention is, is, well, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to sell um, more of something, right? Like you, you can make more and sell more. So first we talked about her best sellers and really narrowing down and like having less cards, not all the cards, having a specific design aesthetic. So the people know that they like her stuff or they don't like her stuff. And then it was like, okay, you're already selling direct to consumer on your website. You're getting some traffic here or there, but what are your options? And so we laid out her options. We said, you could sell on Amazon. You could sell wholesale. You could go in person and do in-person shows. Like, what do you want to do? I think right off the bat, she said no to in-person. She just doesn't have the capacity to do in-person. So it was left to Amazon and wholesale. So Mina, what would you suggest to a stationary company if it's between wholesale and Amazon? Where would you suggest they go? 
I think it just depends on their preference. They both are really valid business models. So I think you know I'm going to say Amazon for the most part because I love Amazon and I think that it's an ability to reach a customer without such a heavy lift, meaning that people will usually buy cards out of convenience because they have a baby shower coming up. They have a wedding coming up. They, you know, if they're pre-planning a little bit and then, you know, and they also can buy like more cards than less, right? They're not going to buy one individual card. They're going to buy maybe a set or a collection of cards as long as you know what your popular designs are or what popular occasion and it hits the aesthetic that they want. So I I think that I would go in that direction of first, I would evaluate if Amazon is right for me. So there's some people that are really against Amazon, especially as small batch people. But there's definitely, I will tell you, handmade things on Amazon. So don't think that because you're handmade or you're small batch that you can't sell on Amazon. You just sell what you want to sell, you know? And so I would go that route first. And if that's a no to her, then I would have her consider wholesale. But wholesale, definitely she's making more, you know, more quantities in that case too. Yeah. Um, so when asking her what her bestseller is, she said, you know, obviously it changes changes per season based on what she's marketing, but let's say holiday cards do really well. And she's sold like holiday bundles of gift cards, right? So like the pack of cards that you can get for the holidays. So I think a suggestion for that would be, for example, she could just try, because we're going into the holiday season right now, she could just try getting her holiday gift bundle of like handmade cards onto Amazon and send in some, and then she could just sell the bundles. Like it's not all of her cards. It's not individuals. It's a bundle that meets a need for the current season. And then the other side of suggestion to her was wholesale as well. And the reason I said wholesale, and this is ears up for our stationary people or anybody else that's thinking like they can only sell to gift stores. One of the biggest places I did a little digging into some of the biggest card companies in America and they sell to car washes. So some of like their main distribution points are at car washes. The same thing for jewelry people. Jewelry people, a lot of hair salons buy jewelry. So sometimes we're thinking very like straight and narrow versus thinking there are alternative places that we can sell wholesale to. Because if you think about a car wash, we walk around and try and spend time in there. And I love to shop. So like I will buy myself a car scent and, you know, things that I need because I'm there spending time. Um, pharmacies as well for cards. So she could yeah. also. I thought you were going to say something else. I thought you were going Ooh. to say, um, not car washes, what's the other place? Dry cleaners. I thought you were going to say dry cleaners because usually when people dry clean, they're going to go to an occasion, you know, mm-hmm. like a wedding perhaps or a, an event or a conference or something like that, you know, like having a card, you know, or even like a funeral, you know. So that's what I thought. But yeah, that's really interesting that you said car wash. That's Yeah, because if you think about like, I don't know the last time we were sitting in car washes, but like they have an entire card wall and also pharmacies also, right? As if you, Mm -hmm. we're not talking about CVS and Dwayne. Yeah, you're killing time. Yeah, we're talking about like little small shop pharmacies where there's an owner of them and they also, they have like kind of like, what do you need? Like a grab and go. So her other alternative is instead of getting competitive and trying to be in really big places, or she can. I was like, look for people that are aligned with their aesthetic, that are gift stores. We told I told her to reach out to people in the multi-stream machine group because there are students in there that have gift stores 
that may also need stationery. And right there is a wholesale connection. And then also the concept of alternative places to sell. Um, and not a car wash somewhere where people don't spend a lot of money on stuff, but a car wash that's like in, I don't know, Beverly Hills, where someone's going to buy an eight or nine dollar card, right? So finding or like the right an place. oil change. You know, oil yeah. changes are like one hundred and twenty dollars nowadays. You know, <laughs> back in my day, they were twenty five cents. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not fifty cents, but not over a hundred dollars either. <laughs> so you know, they have their wallet out, so it's pretty genius. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think that's that's an alternative too for like a stationary company of when does she know it's time to add another platform? Well, when she's not hitting her reach, when she's not hitting her goals, like if you're not hitting your revenue goals, we'll always tell you to lean in, to do more marketing, to try and get your customers and pull them in, right? There's always going to be those things. But sometimes it takes getting more eyes on your business by getting in front of other people's audiences or other people's customers, And also when it's the idea of whether, you know, our first example of the bra company having a lot of product to sell and how does she clear through it? And then the card company thinking, I don't want to grow. I'm scared to grow, but it's like, okay, what if you focus, you only, you make less cards and then you know what you're selling kind of in bulk too, to, to retailers, or like you said, getting it on Amazon, but it's not everything for everyone in all the places. Yeah. All right. So there's a third example of a student. Now this student also manufactures and has a very specific product for doctors and nurses. So they had to manufacture this overseas and they have, um, they've been selling direct to consumer and through word of mouth. So they haven't made, they've more or less made sales from like, let's say she's a a nurse practitioner. And then there's other nurses and nurse practitioners and doctors in the hospital she works in. So she tells them about her product and that they buy it. And then they'll go to her website to make the purchase. But she was also thinking, okay, like this is feels impossible, right? It feels like moving through mud to kind of think, how do I get more people to know about it? How do other hospitals know about it? Like, how do we spread the word? So we kind of dug into a couple other sales channels that she could do, but what would you suggest? Do you have anything off the top of your head? I don't think so. What did you say the product was? Because you didn't mention you said that so she's there, a nurse. It's like, um, it's not scrubs, but imagine scrubs. You know, I would say probably Amazon because, again, the convenience factor and there's everything on Amazon, you know, and I think that, you know, with nurses, they have such tight schedules, right? They're working 12-hour shifts, 10-hour shifts, you know, a lot. They're working a lot. And so they definitely are Amazon shoppers where they're not going to be able to go perhaps looking for scrubs. They might just order them online on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So agreed. And she was already actually setting up. She'd got, she's a multi-street machine student. She went through like the Amazon module. She was already setting it all up, but she's unsure and unclear on if she's making the right kind of like offer. So in looking at it, she needed kind of better photos. I think that's, I was like, go back to the photo module and multi-stream machine and take a look at that. Um, and then on Amazon, let's lean in because she has a lot, let's say it's scrubs. She's got a lot of different versions of scrubs, but she has her one main product that's going to set her apart. So it's like, can you just lean all the way into the one main product, which was your original reason? So remember bestseller niche product, um, and go hard on that on Amazon. So she's doing one of those brand, um, pages Mm -hmm. in your, what's it called? 
Um, um, enhanced brand content. Enhanced brand. When you're yeah, registered. Yeah, so it looks like you're on a website. Mm-hmm. But the secondary thing of like a sales channel was the idea of like partnerships. Um, so the idea of like partnering with other people. So it could look like brand ambassadors. So getting other people that are in other hospitals, for example, to talk about it, to gift it to them, for them to get it in front of people, right? So it's still that kind of word of word of mouth situation. And also partnerships with doctor's offices. So that could still lean into wholesale or just be a discount off of her retail price, but that it would be getting in front of other people by calling up doctor's offices and saying like, hey, I've got this product. Would you like to buy it? Like we have a 12, a pack of 12 that we can do for you. Um, It'll be less than retail. And then all of your people who work for you can wear it. So I think for her too, is like she felt so stuck with only the people she knew and only the people she knew would go to her website to buy. Versus that kind of like, how do we get in front of more people? And those are some of the ideas. Yeah. I like the wholesale route on this one too. Like what you were saying, I think it would, I don't know what her aesthetic looks like. So maybe it's medical spas, you know, cause they wear scrubs. Is it dentist office? They wear scrubs. Is it like nursing students? Is it a young aesthetic, you know, or is it like an older aesthetic where, you know, um, my sister actually starts a job in this is kind of a really cool idea. Um, it's like daycare for elderly people. So not like 24 hour care, but because elderly people need connection, Mm -hmm. it's where you drop, uh, drop them off. They get to play games and do activities. So she's going to be charged of active in charge of activities, but she had to buy scrubs, you know? So it's like, um, you know, activities for elderly people, essentially. So there's lots of different places depending on the aesthetic. And I think that that would be a really, you know, like depending her price range or her price point and her aesthetic, I think wholesale might be a better route for her too. And I want to back up to, because you're all hearing us say wholesale on Amazon a lot. And this one was like brand ambassadors. And I want to back it up to the card company, the stationary company. One of the suggestions initially was in person. So People want to buy stuff in person. Can you get out to in-person markets? Because I know a lot of you that are listening are doing in-person and it's working really well. But she's a mom of four kids. So when she was kind of figuring out what sales channel she wanted to add on, that would work best, like you said in the very beginning, best for her, her company, her lifestyle. She's like, with four kids, I just can't be at markets every weekend. It just wasn't worth it to her. So knowing that right there, that's when it went to, okay, well then you need more of a hands-off approach versus a dig in hands-on. So then hands-off would be something like wholesale, which when I say hands-off, it's just like it's phone calls and shipping to them, but you're not needing to physically be there or Amazon, same thing, right? Like you get the product together, you ship it, and then you just drive the traffic. So when you're considering adding another sales channel, I think we want you to also think about what are the things that are like, I just can't do it like that. It, I, it's not going to work for me, right? Like, cause each of you can pick your own path to profit. It's not the same for everybody. Yeah. And it, um, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, you have brought up partnerships and affiliates and that sort of thing. When we talk about it in multi-stream machine, we go over raving fans. And I think that when you're thinking about, let's just give the example of nursing. Okay. Nursing has a kind of category of its own. So it's like almost like cult following, you know, it has like, there's like nurse talk for TikTok and there's, you know, um, even we, we had a student that was like, um, selling products for horse, horse, 
courses, right? So even like horse talk or, or whatever. So like when you're thinking about different sales channels, lots of times you can consider that sales channel because there is a industry or a market or a, you know, a customer base already there that has like the ability to be a cult following, you know? And so I think that when we're giving these examples, you know, when is it time to add on a sales channel? We'll really think through, okay, which one is it going to be that fits my life and my capacity, and then also fits my product and my industry. You know, like Jacqueline brought up um, industry, or not industry, um, affiliate. And then, you know, in person, that was like a bandwidth sort of stage of life max out. You know, when you have four kids, I'm sure it's very, very difficult to have weekend markets. Or is it the business model of wholesale? Is it Amazon, you know, um, or is it collaboration? So I think there's lots of different things that you consider, um, but you know it's time when you are stuck. Mm-hmm. When do you know when it's time to out a sales channel and start considering all these options? It's when you're stuck and you feel like, but how am I going to sell more, right? And um, then it helps you take action in which direction you're going. Yeah. So I I love that you said like when you're stuck. So then what opportunities do you need to create for yourself, right? What doors do we need to open? And I know sometimes it's scary or you're not sure how you're going to do it or you're not sure how you're going to keep up or any of it. But like I said to the card company, the stationery company, I said, when you can't keep up, when you start to get the orders, it means you're starting to make sales. And if you're pricing correctly to what we teach inside of multi-stream machine, then you're making the right amount of money. You're making margins and you're a profitable business. So at that point, then you potentially could hire someone either to stick these cards together or you get um, a print house to print for you instead of you self-printing or they do the die cuts instead of you doing the die cuts. So like when we get to that point of being busy, it should also yield revenue And then you get to level up in terms of how you're making it, right? Because so many of us start with just our own two hands and we do what we can and then, and then you grow from there. So I want you all to get out of your own way when you think about, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? Or what if I can't keep up and just think, okay, what if I created just more opportunities and when that door opens and the opportunity is there, I'll solve for that then. So I hope this was helpful. Um, and we're excited to hear. And if you want to shoot us a DM over on Instagram at the product boss and tell us a sales channel that you're considering adding on, right? Like you're, you know, it's time to add another sales channel and you're considering to add one on shoot us over a DM and we'd love to see where you're going with your business. Yeah, we love, we would love to cheer you on and get excited behind it. So don't be scared of it. Be excited about that opportunity that you're creating. So we'll see you over there at the product boss on Instagram. Thanks everybody. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember what we give is what we receive. And we are all about helping each other in the product boss community. 
we are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts, and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us.